The Platforming Our Artists podcast series is supported by Torch as part of the Humanities Cultural Programme. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode in our Chameleon Platforming Artists podcast. And we're happy to welcome Theofina Gabriel, the poet today, who actually was uh, one of the poets on our first uh, production, Medea 2018 in Oxford, one of the most memorable and powerful poems mm -hmm. from that show. And we're so happy to have her working with us again. Uh, Fina, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Shiv. I'm just going to tell our lovely audience a bit about you. Thefina is a multi-award winning published poet from Slough. She graduated University of Oxford. She studied philosophy and theology there and has been commissioned by a whole host of people, the BBC. She's appeared in the Tower Poets Anthology, Sister Z in the Linden Avenue Journal. She's also been featured in The Guardian, iNews and numerous other publications and journals. Her, her, her writing history is incredibly impressive. After graduating Oxford, she completed an internship at Penguin Random House with Stormzy's imprint Murky Books there. And she now works as a published freelance writer and artist. Um, and a lot of us, any of us who in your Oxford also know that she works as the founder and editor-in-chief of Onyx magazine, which is an incredible um, publication that is dedicated to publishing talented black poets, artists and writers. And, and um, we had their latest issue in December of 2020. And we're going to talk about it today. She's currently also working on a really exciting short film, her first short film based on Lydia Simmons. And you'll find out who that is in just a couple of moments. And another thing that Fina and I share is that we both are absolutely completely obsessed with The Colour Purple. I think Fina may edge me out on, on the obsession there, but something that she loves. Um, a, a long introduction, but a great introduction for, for, for a really incredible poet that, that we have here today. Fina, Lydia Simmons. Just for our audience, I mean, you're going to tell us a lot about that, but she's the first black person and really specifically the first Afro-Caribbean woman uh, to be a mayor in England. Um, so do tell us yeah. about, you know, what inspired you to create this, um, to create the short film? Well, I mean, it's not just the UK, it's, it's Europe. Um, and I think what inspired me to really archive Lydia's story was seeing black women um, not only in positions of power, um, but black women willing to brave sort of spaces that they haven't really seen themselves in before. Um, and they carry the community with them into those spaces and are then able to affect change. So what I saw was um, something I, I almost see in myself is willing to, that willingness to sort of brave uh, spaces and see where these, these decision makers are gathering and affecting the communities and sort of not infiltrating, but um, pushing yourself to try to get in there to affect change within your communities. And I, I think a similar journey for me happened with Onyx. And so it was just really incredible for me to discover that there was this black woman from my local area um, because I was born and raised in Slough and I had never learned about her in school. Um, I hadn't heard of her before I stumbled across her on a website while I was um, just looking into the local history of the area and I saw this picture of her um, mayoral portrait and I thought, oh my God, from Slough. <laughs> from Slough because yeah, you get a bit of a crazy. bad rep <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was just completely incredible. I was completely inspired. And the more I looked into her story, the deeper it got. And I thought there is absolutely not enough recognition around this. Um, and I want to definitely uplift this profile, not only 
um, for the amazing work that she's done, but also an inspiration to Black women um, in general in terms of our merits and, and what we can do. There was a, that's a really incredible story. There's a lot to unpack in, mm-hmm. in your answer there. I think the first thing that jumps out to me is exactly what you said, which is the, the, the I, I, I understand why you use the word infiltrating. And I think that mm-hmm. obviously uh, it, it's such a complicated thing because you in a way are sort of infiltrating a space that obviously so so clearly sort of, we, we have this with Chameleon all the time, but so clearly sort of does and want you there, but then obviously you infiltrate. And then as you say, often these this these kind of pioneers they're really the ones um really the ones who affect incredible change and honestly is another example of sort of infiltrating the the really white publishing space of oxford that was was extremely sort of uh, oppressively undiverse mm-hmm. and it, you did sort of infiltrate that space with the magazine i think that's really interesting and then of course the standard incredible pioneer in in community yes we don't teach anyone about them they're completely forgotten they don't turn up in schools you know of course mm-hmm. we 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 just even when it's in your own area and someone that directly yeah. has has affected the, the very place that you're in you mm-hmm. don't you don't hear about that but then of course fantastic that you're 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 bringing this this film forward what kind of what kind of film is it I mean is it a is it yeah. is it narrative is it fi- tell us a bit about the film film in, in sure. more detail so the film I just wanted Slough to really run throughout the veins of this film so a, a lot of the imagery obviously um is based in and around the area and it's mainly centered around me um, because of COVID-19. Um, we wanted to get Lydia involved as much as possible but we definitely wanted to protect her. Um, right. She's an 80, she's an 82 year old woman. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the, the film is source of narrative. Uh, it has all of the breadth of uh, the landscape of the South spaces and sort of I wanted it to be recognized as home to people who's grown up in South. There's a lot of shots of like if you're from Slough you'll know what I'm talking about. The train station, the big Tesco, Salt Hill, all of these sort of local areas and it's just amazing to see um, not only those images juxtaposed with Lydia's journey but I was very lucky enough to uh, be able to talk to her and we had a really long interview and she really admired um, the sort of kind of gusto within the younger generation. And she trusted me with her archival clippings, all of her press cuttings, all of her old photographs. So um, it's very much me kind of uh, overlaying these press cuttings of her with the narration of the film, um, poem in the film. And it just, it all comes together beautifully and it was shot by my very, very talented a uh, friend, Theodore Angus, who was my uh, cameraman um, for the two-day shoot. So it's really exciting. It's really intimate. It features me, but I'm not the upfront and centre focus because it's not about me. I'm sort of on the edges or I'm on the name of a road that's brought up and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just very, I think, archival almost. So kind of poetry, documentary fusion hybrid <laughs> it sounds no it sounds extremely interesting i think it's also yeah. it, it's nice to see something like this that isn't just in sort of documentary form either it's nice yeah. to see that it's got space uh, and is i mean as you always are extremely creative with with how the story is put forward and it's also super cool i, I didn't realize that you'd sort of interviewed and, and actually received mm-hmm. sort of personal things from lydia that's 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 yeah. amazing what was it like just sort of quickly tell us meeting her and, and what was that conversation and that interview like 
So it was absolutely hilarious. Like she is an 82 year old Caribbean grandma. Like she is so sharp. It's incredible. Um, and she would be like, oh, oh, well, did you hear about this? Or did you know about this in the area? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. Please teach me. She's like, yes. Yeah. So what happens is this. And I'm there furiously scribbling away. And I just, um, I found it so edifying to know that I love, I, I, I love Slough a lot. And I saw that same love in her for her area. And I think she saw the love that I had for Slough and the people in Slough and the history of Slough. And that was why she trusted me with all of her old clippings. And she said, please give them back. She didn't want to give them to me really at first because people have yeah, asked her stuff because she, she gets harangued a lot because you have to understand the title of being like first black woman to be mayor, like October rolls around in Black History Month. And this poor 82 year old woman has to be like hobbling to her phone. People oh are ringing from London. Like it's very harassy and then yeah, yeah. as soon as October ends everything's silent again so she thought originally I was coming up to do October Black History Month and I was like no I'm from Slough <laughs> I really love Slough as well and um, she gave things to people before and they actually didn't give it back to her which I find disgusting so yeah, um, she just she was just really lovely and she stressed the importance of culture um, and never forgetting your culture and so that was a really uh, driving force for the interview and I hope that comes across in the film as well. I'm sure it will. And, and for our audience, please do say when when this film will be available, where they can when where yeah. they can see it, all of these things. Let's, let's get that out there. Sure. So I think the most uh, in touch uh, platform where you can track my journey will be Instagram. I'm launching the film on Friday the 26th of March and I didn't actually know that this month was International Women's History Month. <laughs> so it's great uh, making a film about um, Lydia who has made international history by being Europe's first black woman to be mayor um, and it will be available on my YouTube channel. Um, you can find it at Lila Fina that's at L-I-L-A p-h-i-n-a and that's my at across all platforms um but yeah i'm definitely going to do sort of a run-up in the seven days leading up to uh the drop and yeah it'd just be great to celebrate everything that she's done with as, as many people as possible absolutely all of all of fina's links will be um on our website by by the podcast you'll, you'll be sure to be able to find all of this there as well um, but uh, I mean, this this sounds incredible. But we touched on Onyx, and um, that's some, that's the thing I sort of remember. Apart from Madea, obviously, the thing I sort of remember you you most for in, in going to the Onyx Somerville launch. I remember all of that. Um, talk to, talk to, talk to us a bit about Onyx and, and a little bit about about starting in Oxford. But let's get out of the Oxford pace and also then you know moving it to London and your 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 post Oxford mm. movements with with the magazine. Sure. So I mean, Onyx started off in my uh, student bedroom in 2017. And I just saw a wealth of black talent around me. Um, and I wanted to give it a platform. As you said, Oxford can be a very oppressive space. And I mean, it's operating within the metrics of colonial history and elitism. So of course these infrastructures are not suddenly gonna disappear. Um, but what I wanted to do was to create a sort of uh, expression, uh, a sharp kiss almost in the um, homogenous uh, ethos that can that can be very prevalent. So I guess Onyx sure, for me was a was a prevalent. way of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was a way 
of of championing the depth of of talent I saw around me. People weren't just medics; they had full canvas paintings in their bedrooms, and and it was just ridiculous. So I thought this needs to exist uh, together in a collective shout almost. And so that was Onyx um, in my head, <laughs> and I couldn't do it alone. I was joined by my wonderful deputy editor in the first year, Serena Arthur, a powerhouse of a woman. Uh, now working at Hachette, uh, doing incredible work there. And we eventually attracted about six other wonderful, wonderful uh, Black women at Oxford. And we launched Onyx in 2018 with a thousand print run copy and an incredible launch, um, which actually you guys are at. You did a performance. Yeah, the, the chorus launch. was there. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I mean, it was just spine tingling. It was amazing. The energy was electric and it just felt so satisfying seeing community at front and center in a place where it can feel so fragmented to even meet up. Um, So it was, it was a beautiful start to our our trajectory in Oxford. And talk talk to me about now the movements you're making, obviously out of Oxford post university, Mm -hmm. making this professional production, uh, professional Mm -hmm. publication, sorry. Uh, in London now? Yeah, well, not just London. I think our main focus right now is to really draw in the sort of UK. Oh, incredible. Um, and it's very much focused on getting the publication into educational establishments because our focus is two-pronged. It's firstly, yes, tackling uh, the rates of black authors, black poets, black artists within industry, but also there is that educational element because I mean, one of the things that will stay to me, stay with me to this day is getting an email from someone who was interviewing at a college and saying, I felt really nervous before my interview. I was seeing all these portraits of white men on the walls and Onyx was on the table and I picked it up and I was like, rah, there are people like me. Yes. <laughs> and I think a perspective you know prospectuses won't do it the talks about you're welcome here won't do it it's only until you see the voice and you're like oh my god they're talking about planting and like it's it's the authenticity of onyx and the power it has to reclaim these educational establishments in some small way that is really the focus so we're really looking to spread that um across the uk with educational establishments and then try and broaden our reach that way that's the focus at the moment and obviously, I, I, you know, you know, as Chameleon, we're doing trying to do a lot of work with schools, and I don't think it can be overstated the importance of getting this in the hands of younger people, in the yeah. hands of people who were maybe then thinking about applying to institutions like Oxford and Cambridge, who feel like there is no space for them there, and it's mm-hmm. so important to 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 show them that this kind of thing does exist it isn't just Mm -hmm. the old white portraits and statues of winston churchill or whatever nonsensical things they they have everywhere instead it is it is really thriving uh not with enough diversity but there is that there is there are people there that 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 you can you can form a community with and and Mm -hmm. find mutual ground with if you are not Mm -hmm. you know the standard private school uh entrance to to mm. to Oxford or Cambridge and I, I love that you're doing that mm. but on the topic of sort of making systemic change um we've seen in the last year movements to to make a systemic change we're hoping that that movement doesn't just stay as a movement but instead becomes uh, real a real shift but I know that you have a sort of mixed feeling about the the, the happenings of last summer and, and the 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 re-uprising of the BLM movement and so many other race reckonings that we've had over the the last year for example the the 
drastically worse effects of the coronavirus crisis on 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 BAME communities in particular. I would I would love for you to talk, and obviously you're doing work that is is directly relevant to all of that. Um, you know, what were your feelings through quarantine, through 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 the horrendous events of last summer, and and the movement revolution that that followed? Yeah, it's it's a really triggering question actually, and I and I think. Um... I think that there's a lot of care that needs to be taken um, when approaching this because what I'm what I'm seeing now, what I'm understanding coming out of this is the reduction of years, of decades, of <laughs> dare I say centuries of struggle now being sort of shoehorned into a summer. Yeah. Um, and it's really painful because I was in an event recently and a white woman casually brought up, you know, last summer and George Floyd's murder. And it was just almost a soundbite um, used to kind of extrapolate this movement that people think um, is, you know, oh, it's, it's happening and it, and it started last summer. And I just, right. I feel this sort of increased hyper-visible focus around last summer is symptomatic of the way that people have been ignorant to these movements and the fact that the systems have been moving this way since inception. (laughs) So so I'm kind of really against uh, the sort of metrics of last summer and of George Floyd because it's not just George Floyd. So why is this the only energy that we have in terms of analytical discourse that is the bridge of focus I just I'm very wary and and I think what happened last summer was a lot of um, increased attention because people's lives were put on standstill for sure Um, because everyone couldn't avoid it in the ways that they normally do you would see it on the news you'd scroll past you'd go out to dinner you'd be like oh isn't that terrible but for black people we have been living with this um, our whole lives so it was really confusing to now feel the sort of energy of this, I call it guilt. And um, I was um, really moved by a piece of theatre that one of my favourite theatre writers, Jasmine Lee Jones, uh, she did this brilliant production and she calls it uh, White Guilt um, Matters. And I saw a lot of a lot of sort of action that was very much missing um, previously because this didn't start with George Floyd. We can go all the way back to several Black Lives Matter protests. And I think it just added uh, a sort of frantic and inescapable energy that, that negatively harmed a lot of Black people. We had discussions being like, oh my God, I just found out about this and racism. And it's sort of having to experience that over and over again is, is quite damaging. And so when I look at um, what's happened uh, last summer and I look at the way now life, well, seems to be moving back to some semblance of normal, I'm really um, skeptical um, of the infrastructural uh, changes that would need to happen because guilt in and of itself cannot affect things. I don't believe that. Um, guilt in and of itself can affect things without measurable action coming as a consequence of that and what tends to happen with especially with online um, is that people can sort of say their bit 
you know, denounce it. We need to, I, I hear a lot of, it's so important to have these discussions. It's so important to change. <laughs> and then I wait for the change. So yeah, yeah. I'm very much waiting um, to see the measurable actions um, that, will, that will arise maybe of this seismic shift of attention. But it's very important to note that the movement did not come to a head last summer. <laughs> I, I, I think that <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it, I agree with you so much. And I, 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 I always say when, when talking to people in sort of uh, meetings about, about, about Madea or about Chameleon, I say that, you know, we're only remotely able to do this because of powerhouses like Talara and Tamasha and Tara Arts who have made diverse theatre and people have been using Madea for centuries as a piece of, uh, as a piece of um, everything from, from resistance to, uh, to a space where, where, where you can relate to, to stories that may be more relevant to you that aren't involved normally in, in, in the common or in the general uh, scope of, of creativity. And, you know, it was the first play performed in Cuba by a woman post the revolution. I mean, it's got such a history and I, I really agree with you. Um, and I think also recently about sort of it's a sin and that's popularity and, and forgetting, you know, there, there are people I speak to who don't know what Stonewall is. And suddenly mm. it's all about, it's a sin, it's a sin. It's all, you know, that happened in uh, 40 years ago and, and people have been pioneering for that for that whole time. And I, and I do think that the, the sort of shallowness of mm. looking at things is this is what happened last summer really disrespects um, yeah. so many activists who who we as as now people who are being you know activists ourselves and trying to make change are very much uh completely reliant on we stand on the work that they did uh, and we are only able to do the work that we're doing because of the ground that they have laid for for decades centuries uh, as you say i do think that's an extremely important point and it's i don't wouldn't even necessarily call it a nuance it's just sort of a foundational point that uh, i do agree um really has been uh, forgotten or even willfully ignored I think because by accepting it you have to equally accept that then before last summer you weren't mm -hmm. uh, you know you weren't aware you didn't take the time to be aware and mm -hmm. accepting that is accepting a whole level of uh, ignorance and a whole level of guilt as you say mm -hmm. that is very much true but but you know now people feel like they they shouldn't be admitting to mm -hmm. I think that's an extremely interesting point yeah and I, I also feel like guilt isn't because guilt is not a neutral emotion um guilt and anger they can fuel you um but it's very much not sustainable so what we see is the catharsis of this i call it white guilt um i've donated this or i've I, they point to the actions and it's like i've done this i've done xyz but in terms of sustainability i think it comes from a place of active awareness and consistent support and guilt should not be the, the center of that framework and I, I feel like it's almost again recentering whiteness to to for any activism to come from white guilt I think it's entrenched in saverism and we get to we get to places like that um, so I think it's really important to go further than last summer and see the infrastructures that have been existing before that because again what I saw was new platforms being made and things like this it's just it's very much about respecting what's come before and the history that has preceded the peak of attention uh, that happened last summer. I think yeah all of this is hopefully 
you know, us talking, and I'm sure numerous people talking who are aware of these things will start to bring these nuances. But I, I do also agree. I mean, I'm a little bit cynical, and I'm just waiting for the for the real hard, you know, the real hard change, the real hard cash, the real hard legislation that uh, that is going to back up this this refocus. Let's let's mm. try that. On, but also, um, I think it's important to to note that revolution um, isn't a one-time event, as it's famously uh, known. So the revolution is not this singular legislation. It's not this singular point. It's happening now. It's happened before. It will continue yeah. to happen. And reframing that is, how am I doing this work for revolutionary infrastructure in my own avenues, in my own arenas? And that's that's the work that's a yeah. that's a yeah that's a very it's a very valuable and important point and this sort of brings us wonderfully on to 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 a piece that, that I'm, I'm lucky enough to sort of have had an exclusive look at which is called Lydia which is uh, part of your uh, creation for this incredible project that you're doing with the short film and actually one of the lines I picked out before we we'd had this discussion was grant us the grace to never forget the works of the elders um, and you go on then to say our homes are built out of their names and our history from what they have done. Um, and I don't know, that ties in so well uh, with the discussion uh, that we've just had. Those are sort of incredible lines. Why don't you talk, talk a little bit about this, this work and, and this kind of idea that, that the works of our elders is something that certainly we're very interested mm. in, Medea. So for me, I think it's really important to note that um, God in, in, in that line is not a uh, monotheistic uh, God, it's sort of a spiritual um, black woman <laughs> in terms of um, black women leading their communities as creators. So when I, when I say that line, um, may God grant us the grace to never forget the works of the elders, it's an homage to the intergenerational legacies of Black women and the sort of poem as a tribute to remembrance. Um, and so in the framework of my poem, I create and I preserve, as Lydia also created and preserved um, um, for, for other Black women, and uh, the, the line, um, our homes are made out of their names, um, you'll see in the film is because uh, the housing um, that was a symbolic uh, tribute to Lydia, there's housing in the local area that actually bears Lydia's name because of the work that she did in creating um, housing for people in the local area um, who were in desperate, desperate need. So it's symbolic and metaphorical, but also very, very practical. And that's something that I try to do with this poem in order to communicate the history um, of her work. And our history from what they've done is, is just, again, an, an additional image uh, related to, to the, the really um, structural way um, she, she, changed the, she changed the framework of not only black women being in politics, but also the legislation of not just Slough, as you'll see when the film comes out, but um, many cities within the UK. Um, and I think it's I think it's completely incredible the work that she's done. So um, as a poet, I find one of my one of the things I love to talk about is the materials and and material things. What what can we build out of what? Um, 
what substances do we trust? What substances can we build from? We, we trust wood, we trust brick, we trust stone. We don't trust blood in certain contexts. And I, I just, I really like playing with uh, materials and it's a theme that props up in my work a lot. So uh, our, host, our houses, out, our homes out of their names and our history is built from what they have done. So I like merging sort of the intangible and, and the tangible as, as a, a poetic form, I find. That that is that's very interesting, and it's I, I didn't actually realise that they were that the nuance of that line with the fact that uh, the the houses were actually named after, her and it shows sort of quite how embedded someone as as uh, as influential as she was is within these communities, even if those communities choose not to uh, teach her and and make her name known to to future generations. And once again, I think it's incredible that you are offering this as a as a resource for people. To learn that, I, I think this is an incredible thing, especially I, I hope for the people of Slough who who will realise and recognise and re-recognise uh, the importance of that name in in the houses and in the streets, uh, as you're saying. Mm. Look, I cannot believe it, but somehow we're we're, we're nearly <laughs> we're nearly at the end. Jesus, these these things go so quickly. But something I, we like to sort of say at the end is obviously you're doing really revolutionary work to, to choose our sort of buzzword of the of the podcast and I just want to hear sort of your thoughts moving forward obviously we, we talked about how uh, there's a lot that I mean there's always a lot that needs to be done and and I would just love to hear a bit about you know the movements that you're making and, and what you hope to see over the next sort of year and the changes that you think are the right changes to make as as we move forward to sort of round us off for this podcast. Um, really, really big question. I think, again, <laughs> it's it's really important. Well, what, what Lydia actually taught me is that we have to start where we are. Um, we often categorise revolution um, as this massive thing that's so far from us. It's going to be this, this historical event. You think revolution, you think, you know, storming of buildings and <laughs> beheading elite. Um, and I think those those kind of seismic shifts in history happen when they need to happen. And that's something that's very comforting, but also um, we can't ignore what is happening around us now. And so I see Lydia's work in legislation. She changed the infrastructure to uh, disrupt order um, in housing and simply put those who were in need first. And now that is, you know, sort of embed embedded within the system. And so she inverted it, she turned it on its head. That's also quite revolutionary. And so um, direct action in our chosen arenas, because we can't, we can't tackle everything, you know? <laughs> you're gonna be better at some things, you're gonna be closer to some areas. What, as, as, and this is all, I mean, this is all from um, Audrey Lord. Um, and I mean, <laughs> there's so much I could get into, but I think the, ma the main change that I want to see happen is a rededication to people's communities and the black people um, and the people who are being uh, and continue, continuing to be suppressed, obliterated and, and annihilated by the system. I mean, COVID has just been, again, an expose of stories and narratives that are well known within the black community and, and our history with healthcare. So, I mean, a refocused energy in whatever arena you're standing in to affect change. Um, and that can look like talking to your superiors when something is said, or that can look like saying, why is this like that? And, and really challenging 
um, and not challenging to reform the system, but to divest power away from it. I think that's really important. We can't change these systems. You know, the master's tool will not <laughs> dismantle yeah. the master's house. We have to be looking at ways we can grapple power away um, from this system. So um, th those, are, those are my thoughts. And that can be in theater, that can be in poetry, that can be in art, that it doesn't have to be in politics. It's in whatever arena you feel that you are called to. I mean, I asked a very heavy question and you gave in a very short period of time one of the best answers I think I've had in the last year in having these conversations. Thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, today, Fina, and I'm sure that, that our listeners will be looking at your work and certainly watching uh, the Lydia film. Thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you for having me, Shiv.